my relationships, how are my finances, what's God doing that I see him doing and he's allowing me to be part of. And then once you've looked in and done that self-evaluation, then you look up to him and you pray and you consider and you meditate and you think and you trust him that he's going to show you what the one word is that will apply to your life for the whole year long, okay? Once you've done that, he's going to give you a word. It's a guarantee if you do it right, if you go through the process. Then you look out to see how is my word going to apply in my life and to the people around me for the year. I don't know if it's just me, but this sound is really buzzing in, in my head. Is everybody else okay with it? it, it maybe it's just my head. So. Um, so that's the way one word works. And before we go on to anything else, do we have somebody else who does know what your word is, who hasn't shared it so far, who would like to do that this morning? Say it again. Deliverance. Do you want to elaborate or you just want to tell us that's your word? My name is Amber, for the ones that don't know me. Mason Hammond is my husband, and we're going through a lot right now. And um, I just believe that uh, I spoke with Miss Friday night that God can turn something bad into something so good. And uh, he delivered me this past week, you know, and um, I'm praying that he delivers my husband and my family. Very powerful, and it's courageous of Amber to share that, right? And it's not just a momentary thing, we hope and pray, but something that she'll experience as the year goes on, this process of deliverance. And I just, while she was talking, felt like we should pray now, right now, not try to, you know, put it on our prayer list, but pray right now for Amber, Mason, and her family, and everything about it. Father, I thank you that Amber's here this morning. I thank you that she, uh, chose to go to your house and hang out with your people, seeing that as a source of light, seeing that as a source of hope, seeing that as the place where transformation can happen, and we're, we're glad that she's here, and we know you love her with a love that we can never even understand. You love Mason, you love everybody who's involved in their family and their situation, and I believe that you have brought this word, deliverance, to her for this time and for this year, this season of her life. And I just pray that you would reveal to her every day as she says yes to you and your plan, how you are working out that deliverance and how that, although every day is not gonna be perfect and some problems are still gonna pop up because it does for all of us, that you are still her Lord and her God and her source and that you will walk with her over the mountaintops and through the valleys. And we pray for Mason right now. You would encourage him in his heart.
that you would continue to bring about light in his life and show him the pathway to freedom and give him the courage to walk it. We pray this in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Anybody else want to share about your word? No? All right. Uh, dang. My word is um, trust. Because over the past couple weeks, there were just a lot of different voices telling me a lot of different things about how my life's going to go and how it should go. And, uh, and so one day I was just in a mess and I went downstairs and I just decided to do a devotional. There's a little story to this. And um, so I was like, I did that classic, all right, I'm going to flip through this book and whatever it lands on, that's what God's telling me. And so I did it like three times, and I was like, none of this, I don't feel like any of this is speaking. So I was like, I'll start from the first page. And I went, and it was a devotional book that my grandmother had given me. And she wrote a verse, two verses in the beginning of the book. And so I went and read both of them, because I was like, I feel like that's there for a reason. So I went and read both of them, and the, the gist of both was just, Pray to the Lord, talk to the Lord, and trust in him, and he'll guide you and everything. So that's, that was my word. Any help? Very, very good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Um, I want to share a couple of scriptures with you. I'm not preaching today. I'm just telling stories in a minute, but... There are a couple of scriptures now. If you start digging around in the Bible for scriptures about being generous or about generosity, there's a lot. We know that. So as we continue to talk on this subject, I'll share more and more of those with you. We've already shared some. We'll have to repeat some as we go. But here are two we haven't talked about so far that I want to kind of open up this, this idea this mentality with today and the first is from Proverbs chapter 18 verse 16 if we can get that one on the screen <clears throat> it says a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great so think think that through a little bit and uh, see see what it means to you a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great this business of giving gifts, which fall into categories we talked about of time, talent, and treasure, just about anything you talk, can bring up is going to fall in one of those three categories, time, talent, and treasure. This giving of gifts opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. So we know that we don't give to get, right? We don't give to get. <clears throat> One of the most commonly used and well-known verses in the Bible about giving says that it is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. We never need to forget that because that is foundational to all the rest of it. We give for one reason and one reason only. And I would hope that if I took a survey in here that most of you could tell me the answer. You could tell me the reason. We only give for one reason. It's not so we can get something back. 
It's not even so that the person we're giving to can be blessed by our giving. Uh, is there a possibility either one of those things can happen or will happen? Yes. But that's not why we do it. There's only one reason we give, and that is because God has said for us to give. That's it. It's a simple act of obedience. The blessing that we like to think about, all those uh, wonderful things that can come to us out of it, follow obedience. But obedience comes first. Obedience is the reason we're generous. We're generous because God is generous and he's told us to be generous. That's it. Everything else we leave to him. If we give to produce a result, we're giving for the wrong reason. Because what we tend to do as human beings is we try to manufacture the kind of result that we want to see happen out of our giving. So we, it's kind of like the lady who showed up at City of Refuge one time, wanted to do a tour. She was the founder and CEO of a large, very successful company. She said, I want to do a tour. I want to specifically know about your women's programs around anti-trafficking. She did the tour. She had some executives from her team with her. She loved it. She was moved by it. She said, I want to give. I want to help. I want to assist. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to write the first support check to City of Refuge today, and the check is going to be for $1 million. True story. Wow. Yeah. Love it. Here, you need to borrow the pen. Right? But I have a condition on giving the gift. I want to serve on your board of directors. Why? As the conversation goes on, she wants to serve on the board of directors so that she can control to some extent and dictate to some extent what's going to happen with her million dollars. In some arenas with some nonprofits and ministries, when they say a million dollars, it's a done deal. It doesn't matter what follows after that. At City of Refuge, what follows is our commitment to our core values. There are four of them. Who besides me and Anton know what they are in Kindle? Passion, excellence, dignity, and integrity. Our board appointments are born out of relationship. People we know, people we have witnessed their lives and we know they're kingdom-minded. We know their commitment level to God and His work. We know their giving patterns. We know their uh, willingness to work on a team and to support the common good and not just their own agenda. People who have volunteered people who have supported the ministry financially over a period of time. These are people who are going to be considered for board appointments, not someone who shows up with a check for a million dollars and says, I want to be on your board. So we said, thank you, but no thank you. Okay? 
That blows some people's minds, but let me tell you what the reality of it is. There's no telling how many millions of dollars have come into the ministry because we said no to that one million. Because when you say yes to the one million and you compromise your core values by saying yes to it, then you're going to sacrifice greater blessings in the future. You understand what I'm saying? The commitment can never be to the stuff, to the blessing, to the big numbers. The commitment always has to be to obedience to the values that God has placed in you concerning the call he has on your life to do what you're doing. Leave the rest of it to him. Leave every result to him. Leave every uh, bit of blessing that's headed your way completely up to him because here I'm going I'm to make you another guarantee. If you'll leave the results of what's going to happen in the lives of other people when you give, and when you leave the results of what's going to happen in you when you give up to him, the results are always going to be way better than any results you can manufacture in any way, shape, or form. They're going to be better. They're going to be eternal because they are God results, and we don't have the capacity to produce God results as human beings. So a gift opens the way and ushers the giver into the presence of the great. My uh, paraphrase of that is, when you give, <clears throat> you're ushered into a spot. When you exercise that obedience, you are ushered into a spot where only a few great people live. Okay, and you have to make sure you have the right definition of great in your head because I see some professional athletes on the television screen and they are considered and qualified and described as great and perhaps they're great at their craft okay but are they great human beings only if they have a spirit of generosity and a spirit of giving that comes from the greatest giver of all that's what makes us great Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Crazy, cool story <clears throat> that I'm sure you're familiar with. Jesus answered. He's talking to this rich, young fella. If you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Yeah, man, that has been misinterpreted so often because we want to interpret that to mean that all of us should go sell what we have and pool our goods and, and do like the Acts Church did and just bless the poor and we all kind of live in uh, semi-poverty together. That's not what he's talking about. This is, this is uh, an individual lesson that is pointed to one individual and it is this wealthy young man. Okay? And the reason why Jesus looks at him and says, if you want to be perfect. Here's what you need to do. You need to go sell what you own and you need to give the money to the poor and if you do that then you'll be building up treasures in heaven. Then you can come follow me. That word then is powerful. In other words he's saying to him you can't follow me until you do this. Why? Because his money and his possessions were his God. His life's dependency was on this stuff that he had accumulated because he had wealth. 
That's not the case for all of us. You know, Jesus wouldn't walk up to several of us in this room and say, hey, uh, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions because All right. So we recruited Nick from a mega church up in Ohio. And went and had this problem until he got in the sound booth. <coughs> this is an individual lesson. Because I, every time I see this story and think about it, I, I my mind goes to the story of the woman coming in with the expensive um, container of perfume and pouring it out on Jesus' feet, breaking the, the box and pouring the perfume, which they say was valued at an, a year's wages during that day and time. It was very expensive. And how she was criticized by some in the crowd who said, why is she doing that? And you should tell her that that's wrong, that that could have been sold to do what? To bless the poor. And Jesus' response was, you need to mind your own business. This woman is committing a true, sincere act of worship here. And the poor are always going to be there for us to bless. She's worshiping, and the only reason you're interested in it is because you got your hand in the money bag. So why would Jesus in one case say, go sell all your expensive stuff and use the money to bless the poor, and in another case say, no, it's okay to take your expensive stuff and use it and pour it out on, on my feet, which is uh, you know, eventually going to run off on the ground, and in some minds would be wasted when that could have been sold to bless the poor. Isn't that a ironic? Isn't that a paradox? Doesn't it sound like he's contradicting himself? Well, it proves my point that in this story, he is not talking to everybody in every life situation. He's talking to this one man because this one man has a problem with his wealth and his possessions. They have become his God. And he cannot follow the Lord as long as he has some, something else that is Lord over a significant part of his life. Can't do it. I said I wasn't going to preach today and messed up and preached. I'm sorry. He says, after you've done this, then you are qualified to follow me. That is a convicting statement. Should be, should be convicting to everybody who hears it. 
Why? Because it helps us to know that we can't follow Him until we have aligned ourselves in perfect position for Him to be Lord of everything in our lives. You know, Tracy and I were talking about somebody yesterday, and I was talking to Anton about it again this morning, how there are people, and this one individual is, is an example of that, who <clears throat> has walked through some processes and made some progress here and there and established Jesus Christ as Lord over most of the compartments in their life, but has reserved a couple of compartments where this individual insists on con continuing to be Lord of those compartments. And, and you can never gain complete victory as long as that's the case. And you will always be on the roller coaster, trying to figure it out, never quite getting there. <coughs> so, what I really want to do is to share three different things with you here this morning that are pictures of, of, of being generous and the impact that, that it can have. Now, these, I'm going to tell you up front, are big. These are big pictures. But I don't want you to, to hear about this and say, well, that, that's a big old thing and, you know, it's, what am I supposed to do individually as little old me down here living where I live and doing what I do? Um, that's bigger than me. That, no, what, the way we have to see this is that at some point, one person made one decision. Nothing you'll hear me talk about or a picture you'll see this morning happen except that one person at one moment in time made one decision. Okay? 25 years later, you're talking about thousands upon tens of thousands of people who have had their lives turned around and transformed and renewed and found Christ and a better way of living and sustainability as a human being in this world because one person in one moment of time made one decision. So what happens if you as one person in a moment of time just making a decision, I'm going to be a generous person. I am going to be a giver. I am going to be a person who adds value to a situation when I walk in the room. I'm not going to be a drain. I'm not going to be a strain. I'm not going to be a minus. I'm going to be a plus. I am going to have the spirit of generosity in me because I'm going to choose to obey what God has told me to do. If every individual chooses that, then we all have an impact in the things like the things I'm going to tell you about. So if we can put the first picture up, <clears throat> this is a picture of the 1300, we call it. It's at 1300 Mason-Turner Road, Atlanta, which is directly across the street from City of Refuge, which is 1300 Joseph Boone Boulevard, Atlanta. <clears throat> These are the apartments that we built two years ago, finished two years ago. 47 apartment units. You're looking at the front building. You can see the City of Refuge sign on the front, and there's another building behind it, a smaller building. 
47 units, some two-bedroom units, and some three-bedroom units. The people who are living in these apartments, probably 80, 85% of them were once homeless. Now, is this a good-looking set of apartments? <clears throat> it is. It is a well-constructed, state-of-the-art, technologically sound and modern apartment complex with security, with Wi-Fi, with, um, with all the amenities that you would want if you were going to live in an apartment building. It's straight across the road from City of Refuge, and a good number of the residents who, lived in, who live in these apartments transferred out of the Women's and Children's Housing Center in City of Refuge into their own apartment. Some of them are ladies who came to House of Cherith having left a life of trafficking and sexual exploitation or been rescued from that, went through the program, graduated, got a job, and now live independently in their own apartment at the 1300. Why am I telling you about that? Because this is you, this is us, this is City of Refuge, this is what we do. Okay, this is what we do. You know, when Jesus said, feed the hungry, clothe the naked, give the thirsty drink, and take the poor homeless wanderer into your home, or better yet, build him his own home, we kind of take that seriously. We, we are in the habit of taking the words of God pretty seriously. I don't know where the church got so off track to where we just don't take a whole lot of what God has to say very seriously anymore. Trying to wander around and do the church thing, but we're not doing the God thing. Right? This is heart and soul. This is life change. This is people who were once sleeping on park benches and in abandoned cars and abandoned apartments or just wandering the streets or bouncing from house to house, from friend and relative to friend and relative, couch to couch. Many suffering from addiction, many being trafficked or exploited in some way. Many coming out of domestic violence situations, many coming out of incarceration. And what happens, they come through the gates and we start showing, shedding light on their pathway. Light is a warm bedroom to sleep in. Light is comfortable amenities around you. Light is food to eat in the dining hall. It's the practical assistance that you need to make sure we know that we care about you and we're here to serve you and we're here to love on you and we're here to, here to help meet your needs. And the underlying goal behind it is to build a trusting relationship with you so that we can go to the hope level. Because light and hope and transformation are levels. And you go to the hope level and then you start to get into classes based on your own uh, needs assessments by your case manager, right? What do you need? You need to go to a domestic violence class. You need to go to an anger management class. You need to go to a financial management class. You need to go to a parenting class. What is it that you need? You need to get your GED. And then you choose your vocational training track, okay? Do you want to go into the culinary arts? 
We have that. We're in our 14th year of running culinary arts training program with thousands of graduates now working in restaurants and hotels and catering businesses all over the United States. You want to go into the auto tech training program where we work with Napa and Genuine Parts being our biggest sponsor. They built the shop. They donate supplies and they provided the curriculum and they still support it financially. And you go into there, go in there for 16 weeks and get your entry level certification and be set up to take all the ASE certifications as you go out and go to work and continue to pursue it. What's the goal? Livable wage. What's the goal? Self-sufficiency in terms of being able to support yourself with an income. You want to go into the tech academy and learn computer coding, cybersecurity. Do you want to become a security officer? We got security training. Do you want to go into customer service? We offer that too. What do you want to do with your life? What, what, what's your aptitude bent toward? We'll help you. This is generosity. It's a picture of generosity. Well, I got to tell you the next step. <clears throat> Because, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't a lot of us say, well, uh, if you go from homelessness, some very ugly, uh, bad situations, to being able to live in a nice apartment building like that uh, and, and have a job, but, you know, you're, isn't that good enough? For some people, it might be good enough. But what about the people who have dreamed of owning their own home I don't know, sometimes this part gets me every time I think about it. Have dreamed of owning their own home, but have just known inside of them there's no way I can ever get there. How, how am I ever going to own my own home? You know, and home ownership is, I mean, it's just such an important thing uh, sometimes for people in terms of their own self-worth and their value. And we give away a lot of cars. I have a video of, a, of giving a guy a car, and we showed it last week. I'm not going to show it again for the sake of time. But <clears throat> and that's huge. But man, owning your own house? Well, guess what program we're establishing now for residents of the 1300? Where when they moved in, their rent, which is, which is sliding scale rent based on income, was at a certain level, and then as they advance in their job and make more money, their rent goes up. But you know what we're doing with the extra that they're paying in rent as their rent went up? We're not just putting that in the City of Refuge bank account. Now that goes into a savings account, a, a down payment savings account for them. And over a three-year period of time, they, that extra money funnels into the down payment account. And we now have a partner organization that has come along and said, if you, if City of Refuge will invest the land, we will build the home. We will set up financing for the for the home buyer, we take the three thousand or so dollars that they've been able to save over the three years, and we we. Uh, we finance it, we automatically do the approval without them having to meet all the necessary requirements they would have to meet if they went into a regular bank. And they move into a brand new house. 
that they build on our property, but then it's titled to the new homeowner. So put the picture of the little house up there. Just an example. Would, would any of you be okay with going from homelessness, if that's where you were, into a comfortable, quote, shelter? We don't like to be called that, but that's what a lot of people call us. Into your own apartment at the 1300, into that. And it be done the right way, and it be set up to where it's sustainable for you. Yeah, that's what happens when you're generous. Let's show a picture of the 345. <coughs> that's the brick building, no. Yeah, so that one doesn't look so good, right? That's 345 Chapel Road, which is just up the street from City Refuge, around the corner across the railroad track. And we own that property, we bought it maybe five years ago. That's an old hotel. It was called the Danzig, which um, back in the 60s was one of only three African-American-owned hotels in the city of Atlanta. And it was a place where a lot of civil rights leaders gathered and things like that. And then once it closed down, it was turned into a recovery program by a church in the area. And then they shut down, and that building has been sitting empty for some 20, 25 years. We bought it. Well, let me tell you what it's going to become. City of Refuge has never run a men's program, a men's residential program. But we, are, we received our building permit last week. We will start construction next week. We will finish this building in the fall, and it will be a three-story, 31, 32-unit efficiency apartment complex for men, which includes guys coming out of homelessness, men coming out of incarceration through our Tyro program. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And men who are veterans of military service. There'll be one floor that will have young men 18 to 24. There'll be one floor that's divided between guys re-entering society from incarceration veterans. And there'll be one floor that is for um, guys who are coming out of homelessness, experiencing addiction and need that sort of support. So now these guys will go from terrible circumstances into their own brand new apartment where they will receive all the programming and services. They will go from light to hope to transformation. And it's a pretty exciting thing, right? It's what happens when you're generous. This project will cost about $3 million, $3.5 million. You know, where are we going to get that money, you might wonder. Uh, well, that money's already sitting in the bank, all of it. All of it, just sitting in the bank waiting. It's been waiting on us to get the building permits from the city so that we could start construction. Why? Because blessing follows obedience. And when one person says yes in one moment to a thing, that's a God thing. 
That's a step of obedience and a statement of obedience to what he's commanded us as his followers to do. He will bless it. We don't really think that we're serving a God that would call us to do something, something and then he wouldn't fund what he's called us to do. We don't think that, do we? <laughs> you know, he's not going to tell us he wants us to do something and then leave it us to, up to us to figure out where, the, where to get the money to do it. It's not the way he works. The 345. These guys also will be afforded the opportunity for home ownership through the same program as time goes on. And these are processes, and processes are important to making the whole business work. And then I want to show you just a, a picture of a, a sign. <clears throat> National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. January is National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. I think most of you know about House of Cherith. House of Cherith is City of Refuge's um, survivor program for women who are rescued out of trafficking, sexual exploitation. Um, this can be anything at all that you can think of uh, that would fall into those categories from a woman who chose prostitution to a woman who was forced into it to uh, a little girl who was started to be abused when she was a child and grew up in those kinds of environments to um, anybody, any lady who's ever traded sex for drugs or anything uh, and, uh, and everything between, right? So House of Cherith has gone from being one safe house for women who were first rescued out of that environment, 15 bedrooms, to two homes, a safe house, and then a long-term care home, 15 bedrooms in the second one, to a third house, all of these on campus inside of our facilities, for uh, trauma-informed care on an even longer-term basis. We don't set limits and restrictions on how long they can be there. How long do they need to be there? That's how long they'll be there if they choose to stay. So we've gone from that to building out a Mommy and Me program, the first ever in the United States for women coming out of trafficking and exploitation who have their kids with them or want to have their kids with them, where they can move in and have the benefits of the program and their kids with them at the same time. We went from that to purchasing property in Tallapoosa, Georgia, which we just opened a Mommy and Me program, to coordinating with a church in Bremen, Georgia, that turned over the entire Family Life Center, educational center, to us, and we built out a house of charity there, which is a long-term care program, to now branching out into Dallas, Texas, and building, and we purchased a uh, house in Dallas for $900,000 and opening a house of charity in Dallas, Texas. And we're challenging all the other city of refuges that are popping up around the country to include a survivor program as part of what they do. Oh, and I almost forgot one very important one that, that we are in construction on on our campus right now. And that is a home for underage girls, 11 to 17, who will be moving into our facility. This is generosity. This is obedience. This is transformational work. This is not just toying around with church. Just dabbling, just putting our dangling our feet in the 
in the water. No, this is diving into what God has told His people to do. Right? This is generosity. And we could stay here all day long talking about the results, talking about the stories, the blessings. I'll give you one from this category here. Survivors. <clears throat> so Allison is our experience coordinator now at City of Refuge. So her desk is in the hub right when you first come through the door. She's the person that's going to greet any guest that comes on campus. It's going to connect them with whoever they're there to see, get them in the right spot. She handles all the, the vendors and deliveries of whatever. And she's a sweet girl, big personality, and we all love her. Well, Allison didn't put an application for a job, get interviewed and get hired for that position. Allison grew up in Texas in the Dallas area and started to be sold by relatives when she was a teenager. You know what I'm saying, right? Trafficked by adults in her life that she trusted. And that happened in Texas for a while, and then they came across country stopping and spending a few weeks in this city or town and then moving on, just staying away from any suspicions and any law enforcement. End up in Atlanta. <coughs> and she's working for a guy. And she's on the street one day working, and she's arrested. And she catches a prostitution charge, and she goes to jail. And she spends some time in jail, and then they released her. And here she is in Atlanta. She doesn't know anybody. And the guy that brought her up here, up here as a slave is gone now, back to whoever knows where. She's alone. She's got nobody. She's homeless. All she's got to her name is her little satchel that she took into jail with her. They give her that, and it's got her wallet with her ID and her phone, and that's it. No money, nothing. And she's back on the street. So she goes to a cemetery, finds isolated space, starts sleeping in the cemetery at night. And she said one night she just woke up and she just burst into tears. She started praying. She said, God, you got to help me. And something's got to change here. I can't live like this anymore. There's got to be a turnaround. There's got to be a shift. I need help. Will you help me? Takes her phone out, turns the light on, and she signs it, and she shines it on the tombstone right beside her. You want to know how God works? When you're generous, the name on the tombstone was Deal, D-E-E-L. My last name. How often do you see that name spelled like that? Never. The only deals are up in West Virginia and Southwest Virginia. Deal. She takes her phone and just puts in the name Deal, Atlanta, Georgia. You know what pops up? House of Cherith. Bruce Deal, Jeff Deal, Kelsey Deal. 
She calls the safe, she calls the uh, hotline. Ashley Banks answers the phone. And by sundown, Allison was in the house. 21 months later, she's free. She's happy. She's full of joy. She loves the Lord. She's a worshiper. She's a hard worker. She's got a full-time job with us. She's the greeter for our guests, y'all. Is that transformation? But you know what she wants to do? She just talked to me about this Monday when we were serving side-by-side side at the Martin Luther King Day distribution. She said, hey, do you know when the House of Cherith in Dallas thing is uh, going to be up and running? I said, pretty soon, why? You want to go back there, right? She said, yeah. I want to go back and to my hometown and help the girls there that are experiencing the same thing I went through. It doesn't get any better than that. That's transformation. That's what happens when you're generous. Well, Jeff, we're down here in Thomaston. We're not in Atlanta. We don't have all that, you know, it's not, the, the population's not as big. We don't have all the different varieties of things, but we have things, right? We have things. We have people and we have things and we have a responsibility and we have the same responsibility towards obedience that everybody else does, no matter where they are. So if it's with our kids, if it's with uh, Tony here that drops in once in a while, if it's, if it's with a needy family, if it's whoever, whatever, right? We exercise responsibility. We be good stewards with the blessings God brings to us. But we say, yes, I want to live like John Maxwell says on the other side of yes. I don't want to live in the negativity. I don't want to live in the, being a drain. I don't want to live as a minus. I want us to say yes. Yes, yes, we're here. It's what we do. We love, we give, we serve. We're obedient to what God's telling us to do. We will shine the light which produces hope, which leads to transformation. I've told you a couple stories here out of many, many, many stories, right? And we're actually starting to document and write a lot of these stories down. <clears throat> but... When we, generosity, I'm just going to finish with this. It's a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. Now, I know I said when one person makes one decision in a moment, that's a decision, yes. But as you exercise those decisions as a pattern, something changes in you spiritually. I'll tell you boldly today, that if you are stingy with your time, talent, or treasure, or all, there's a problem in your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a problem. You need to work on it. <laughs> if generosity is a problem for you, the bigger problem is in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Because generosity is a spiritual issue. We serve 
a God who is so generous that you can't even put it into words. And he has called us to be the same, just generous beyond measure, time, talent, and treasure. So I can't tell you why I've been inspired to just start off our year just hammering this for a few weeks, but there's got to be a reason. <laughs> we're, being, we're being staged for something, and I appreciate your attentiveness to it, your prayer around it, and, um, and I look forward with great anticipation to the opportunity to say yes to being generous, you know, just leaving the results up to him, but just saying yes to what he's doing. Everybody good? So if somebody, I, I know that sometimes when we're part of a church, um, we depend on the church to take care of whatever needs to be taken care of in terms of needs that come to us. But I think what usually happens is once you hear messages like this and you're exposed to things like this, then something's going to come your way. Something's going to come your way that you're going to have to make one decision as one person in one moment about. And then always we're here as a body if you have something you want to bring in, uh, that you want to bring to us and share, that we could share in being generous in the situation. So keep that in mind. All right, before we close, I want to share a couple of announcements with you. <coughs> on February 6th at 1 o'clock, so that'll be right after church. The 6th is on a Sunday. There's going to be a baby shower down here in the light room for June Marie Kelly. If you don't know who that is, that's my granddaughter. And she's coming in March. Uh, so uh, we're going to celebrate with JC and Nick um, uh, the highly anticipated arrival of this baby girl. And so uh, an, uh, invitations have gone out to some other people, but we want all the ladies here at COR South to know that you're invited to that. Kendall and Maddie do need to know a kind of a general number of how many people are coming. So if you wouldn't mind, just send Kendall a message either to that cell phone number or her email address to let her know if you plan to attend. After school programming starts this week. I wanted to announce that so that you can be praying for that. Pray for the kids, pray for the leaders. And also so that if you're inspired to be generous toward that program, we all always appreciate donations of snack foods and um, uh, different supplies that Kendall might need. You can talk to her about it or, or financial donations that are designated for after-school programming or kids programming. On February 14th, which is, as we know, Valentine's Day at 6.30 p.m., we have said yes to Riley. Um, doing a program here that he is working very hard on. And I told him we're in Thomaston, so I didn't know if using Latin terminology would be, uh, you know, the best way to title that, but he uh, insisted on that. Is it French? That's even worse, but... Um, <coughs> Bella Notte, it sounds Italian to me. An evening of music and dining right here in this room. So this room's gonna be set up and decorated as a romantic environment. So Tristan, invite a young lady and get your tickets and 
Um, and so we are advertising this outside of the house. It's a fundraiser. Any funds that we're able to raise will go towards the arts uh, program that we are getting some momentum behind here. And there'll be a full catered meal. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. <coughs> good food. Good entertainment. This, uh, I think that the music is going to be love songs from well-known uh, musicals, Broadway musicals, and et cetera. And uh, it'll be very entertaining, if nothing else, because Devin's singing. No, that'll be good. Oh, there's the rock star hanging over the balcony right there. No, uh, these kids are um, they're very talented, and they're going to share their talents with us. It's going to be great. And there will be child care, free child care. So don't let that stand in your way. Now, the tickets are $25 a piece. But, hey, for a good meal and good entertainment and a nice Valentine's evening out somewhere, you don't have to travel too far. And it's a fundraiser, so just keep that in mind. But we need you to buy those tickets in advance. You can do that by going to our website, cityofrefugesouth.org slash events, and you'll be able to register online and pay for it online. If you d are not good at doing stuff online, then just go see Riley or Kendall, and they'll help you. We've got discipleship classes going on on Wednesdays right now for youth and ladies, and I promise you we're going to jump into men's fireside discipleship pretty soon. I'm working on some ideas for that and uh, ramp up our um, discipleship programs on the backside of COVID-19. So uh, anybody else have something I'm not thinking about or you want to say? Very good. Thanks for being here. Let me pray over us. And then if, as you leave, if you have tithe and offerings to give, uh, we love it when you're generous with that. And Brother Jimmy will be at the back door. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this great group of people we get to hang out with for uh, your word, for your spirit that confirms your word to our hearts, and for the opportunity to say yes and to live on the other side of yes and to be generous. And we thank you that you have spoken to us once again. We receive it. And we're going to meditate on it. And we're going to let it change us a little bit more from the inside out. I pray over your people that you would give them your peace this week in every aspect of their life, that you would give them your power to be and do all that you created us to be and do, that you would make provision for all of our needs, financial, uh, relational, mental, physical, and in every other way, and that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy and from his lies and his distractions and deceptions. And we give you thanks for it. In your name we pray. Amen.